You're listening to the Business of Environment podcast with Mark Roman. Welcome to the Business of Environment podcast. Uh, I'm your temporary host, Steve Gordon, and I am here interviewing Mark Roman, who is normally sitting in the host's chair, but we're turning the tables on him in a series of interviews to, to really pull out some of Mark's unique expertise around working uh, with environmental issues on all kinds of facilities from manufacturing to commercial sites, to office sites, retail, you name it. And uh, Mark, first, welcome. Great to be back. Thanks for uh, giving up the host chair and, and let me jump in for, for a few episodes. No problem, Steve. Thanks for having me. And just just don't get too used to that host chair. <laughs> yeah, really. So today we're going to talk about uh, common e- EHS issues that you run into again and again on sites. And and uh, you know we've put together articles like this in the past. You've written them and you've published them um, on your website. And I know there's some of the more popular ones. And I'd love to to just kind of update everybody because um, I know these things change over time. So, you know, when, when you go out to facilities, to, to big, you know, manufacturing plants, places like that, um, and even to smaller sites, what are some of the things that you see again and again? Yeah, that, that's, that's what amazes us. We, you know, our, our clientele range from these, you know, small one, one site job shops, if you will, you know, I call them mom and pops and uh, uh, facilities and to, to larger, you know, multi, uh, multi-facility uh, locations across the country, across the world even. Uh, and when you, you, you take a step back and you boil it all down, there's similar issues at, at all these facilities across the board. Uh, they all struggle with very similar issues. You know, the scale may be different, but it's still the same basic issue. And uh, w- one of the ones that, you know, always jumps out right in the front of the line uh, is, is related to regulations. And when you're dealing with environmental health and safety regulations, there's a ton of them out there. And one of the uh, uh, worst things you can try to get through, read, you know, to read through is our regulations. Uh, I mean, I fall asleep by the you know, second or third page. And, and I last longer than many of my colleagues going through these regulations. So that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a big challenge to a lot of folks dealing with environmental health and safety. Uh, And, you know, these regulations uh, deal with air quality, water quality, worker safety, solid waste, hazardous waste, uh, storage tanks, uh, health and safety on a general uh, on a general basis, security measures, so on and so forth. There's, there's lots to know with really limited time to understand. And in a lot of our, our clients that have environmental health and safety managers, I mean, that's part of their position at the facility, environmental health and safety. They may also be, for example, a facility manager or a plant manager, a maintenance manager. So, you know, they're wearing many hats at, at these facilities and, they have to, you know, try to understand these regulations uh, so that they can manage their environmental health and safety issues uh, properly. So that's a significant challenge. And we see that across the board uh, from small facilities to large multi-facility locations. So, so what we always try to tell 
our, our clients is, you know, the bottom line is you, you really need to determine what regulations you really need to worry about. And, and yeah, and we agree with them and that can be overwhelming because, you know, regulations could be overwhelming to me as a consultant also. And what you need to do there is, is to really understand your facility. And, and you'll find that we refer back to what we call our core four requirements to, to, to understanding uh, and getting a good handle on environmental health and safety issues at your facility. And we talked about these core four in the past. They, they include communications, facility knowledge, property history, and documentation. And a key one to understanding regulations is facility knowledge. You need to know what you do and how you do it. And, you know, without that knowledge, how do you know what regulations apply to you? And a key thing about facility knowledge is, is asking those three magical words, I don't know. And when we talked about um, the core four, we mentioned that, you know, U.S. industry, uh, it costs U.S. industry uh, billions of dollars every year, millions of dollars every year, uh, due to the mistakes people make because they can't say those three magical words, I don't know. So what we always tell our clients when it comes to regulations, that's the first thing out of your mouth you should be saying, I don't know. So seek assistance to help you through these regulations. You know, you can call on a consultant, you can seek assistance through an association. Many associations offer uh, free help in, in helping to get through the, the very diverse regulations and, 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 and figure out what, what really applies to your facility. Probably the, the best, if you have sister facilities, if you have a, you know, another facility that's located elsewhere in the, in the country or in the state, that's such a valuable asset to have. And what we find with, with companies that have multiple facilities Often, you know, probably the majority of the time, there's no communication pipeline connecting those facilities and sharing experiences, sharing knowledge. It's such a, a valuable asset and, and, and a wonderful resource that if you have a sister facility, tap into that resource and, and find out how they're doing things and you can share how you're doing things. It's, it's, it's such a, an overlooked asset that, that we're, we're surprised time in and time out every time there's no connection between sister facilities uh, within an organization. Um, you can also obtain assistance online. The, the internet is a wonderful resource, but don't forget it's also a dangerous resource because really nothing ever disappears uh, off the internet. It always resides somewhere, even though you think you deleted it, 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 it resides somewhere out in the internet. And uh, so what you want to make sure if you're, you're on the internet and you're doing research on regulations, make sure whatever version of the regulation you download, it's the latest version of that, that regulation and it's an official version of the regulation. And make sure the regulation applies to your facility and to your specific circumstances. When it comes to regulations, what we always tell our clients, you know, if you're on, online looking for uh, information, get onto the regulators' websites. I mean, where else should you go but to the horse's mouth, the folks that wrote the regulations? And the regulator websites are so, so such a wealth of information, and are, they're really well organized, the vast majority of them. And what you'll find on these websites are these great guidance documents or 
uh, letters of interpretation or frequently asked questions uh, and answers uh, to regulations. And, and, and in, these, in this material, essentially what the regulator has done is, is they, they distilled out the important information out of these you know, pretty verbose regulations. And it's, it's the important things that you need to, to worry about and concentrate on and distill these down into these easy to read cookbook style guidelines. And that's really all you need to follow to, to, to get through this maze of regulations. Some other great, great uh, things that regulators offer are what's called voluntary compliance assistance programs when it comes to regulations, where the regulator will actually come out to your facility, ask you some questions, do a tour, do a walk around, and they'll help you determine what regulations apply and what permits you need to, to, to obtain. This sometimes sounds too good to be true, and sometimes it is. And what we always recommend to clients, if you're interested in a voluntary compliance assistance program, is to consult you know, with upper management and with your legal counsel before you enter in such a, uh, into such a program, uh, just to protect yourself from enforcement actions. And you know, it, when it comes to regulations, really you need to, you don't need to memorize them. You just need to know what regulations apply and where to find a copy of those regulations so you can refer to them if you in the future. Uh, just develop a basic understanding of the regulation and, uh, and also where to find assistance whenever you come across a nuance in the regulation. And I can guarantee you, you'll, you will come across nuances uh, uh, as you get more and more experience with, the, with these regulations. Some, some other things to, that, that may be helpful is uh, consider internal audits or assessments, and you could either bring in a, 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 an outside party like a consultant, or if you have these sister facilities, you know, bring in the person that is, manages EH&S at, that, at your sister facility and have them help you audit uh, and assess your facility relative to these regulations and see, see how, you know, how things work out and see where you stand with these things. The other thing is it, what's important with regulations is, is they're very dynamic. They're always changing. So you need to really make an effort to stay up to date on regulatory trends. And one of the easiest ways to do that is, is through network association membership, you know, see what other members of an association is doing, how they're keeping up with things. There's, there's a lot of great subscriptions out there that can help you, uh, navigate regulations and, and and keep up to date on changes in regulations where they're just telling you, hey, uh, here the following uh, changes in in your state's air quality regulations uh, are as follows, and you can see if any of those changes apply to your facility. So so look into some of these subscription services that are out there uh, that that can offer these this help, and 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 the last thing when it comes to regulations is. It's really important before you make a determination of what you think, what regulations apply and what you need to do to comply with these regulations is to always seek legal counsel, uh, just to review that with your legal counsel when it comes to regulations um, and make sure you're all on the same page and, and, and in agreement with how to proceed uh, with, with the appropriate regulation and, and compliance criteria. Yeah, it's... It's so interesting. I, I, this is such a difficult topic, I think, because it's one thing to go through the regulations, but then to 
to actually interpret and apply them to the specific situation on the ground at your site. I think that's that's a whole different level of of experience and, and knowledge. Um, I, I, do you find that that uh, sometimes facility managers or or you know even legal counsel or or you know business owners have trouble with that? Yeah, yeah, quite often. It, and it, and it's you know because these folks are wearing many hats uh, and have many responsibilities at, at these facilities, and it's just. So many changes, have, you know, there, well, first off, there's so many regulations out there and trying to figure out what you have to worry about it is the main challenge. And then once you do that, you know, your job's not over. Now, now you have to keep track of, you know, what changes are coming about and, and how, how, to, how do they affect your facility, so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, a, a good point here is, you know, your, your work is never done. And, and so don't ever think your work is done. And, and where that really comes into play is, is for, for example, permits. Uh, we find a lot of issues with permits when we visit facilities. So here, you know, here you go, you, you, you look at, you understand what you do and how you do it, right? You look at what regulations apply. Now you're seeing what permits you, you have to obtain. A lot of work is involved there. So now you get your permit and you're finding that you're, you're not in compliance with your permit and you're violating a permit. So there's a lot of, even though you have a permit, your work's not done. And there's a lot of challenges associated with just permits themselves. And, and the biggest problem we see at facilities relative to permits is, is not having a permit or having an incorrect permit. And what that boils down to the root cause behind that is because whoever at, at that facility obtained that permit, they really didn't have a good, uh, understanding of the core four, especially facility knowledge, uh, not knowing, you know, what you do and how you do it. So, so what we always tell our clients is don't, you know, don't worry about permits, don't worry about regulations, understand your process really good. Because if you do not know what you do and how you do it, how the heck are you going to figure out what regulations apply to you? And that's a big root cause issue that we see with, with permits and why a lot of facilities are out of compliance because they obtained the wrong permit. So, so it's, it's very important to, to get a good understanding of the core four uh, under your belt. And then if they have the right permit, the other big issue we find with permits is, is when you do have the right permit, you're not in compliance with that permit. And the, the root cause behind that, it, it, it seems so simple, is that the person responsible for permit compliance never read the permit. That's it. If you have a permit, folks, read your permit because a permit contains a lot of special conditions that uh, have to be maintained in order to be in compliance with that permit, such as uh, reporting requirements, monitoring requirements, record keeping requirements, even training requirements. So in order to, to eliminate that issue from your facility, read your permit and make sure you're complying with all of the special uh, permit conditions. And also, a big thing with permits is is uh, when a permit's applied for, there's certain things going on at your facility, right? Uh, you're you're making X, Y, and Z product. You're using A, B, and C raw materials, so on and so forth. And permits are usually issued for a five year time frame. So uh, after you know before that five year uh, period is up, you have to reapply for a, a renewal of the permit. Now, what a lot of folks don't realize is that you are responsible 
for maintaining that permit, right? And you need to make certain that that permit covers whatever's going on at your facility at any given time. So when you apply for that permit, you know, let's say uh, I'm applying for a permit this year, certain things are going on at my facility. Now, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, things change. Many, you know, facilities change uh, quite often. And so it rests on your shoulders as the person maintaining and responsible for that permit to ensure that that permit is covering whatever's going on at your facility at any given time. So whenever there's a change, whether you're making a new product, you're using new raw materials, you've eliminated raw materials or you've certain raw materials or certain products. You need to see how that change affects your permit and, and determine whether or not you need to modify that permit. Because if you're ever inspected and your permit is not covering all of the activities or, or processes going on at your facility, you know, there's a good chance you're going to get a notice of violation. So it's important to stay up on that and keep track of changes at your facilities and, and how that affects uh, any permits that you may have. And, and one last thing on permits, and, and this, is, uh, this is one that we see, unfortunately, quite often uh, in that permitting is quite often realized as an afterthought, especially during capital improvement projects. And I can guarantee you that if you overlook permitting and capital improvement projects, it will result in project delays, penalties, and compliance. Listen, the last thing you want to happen is when you have that new production line installed at your facility and all of the big wigs are out there, the CEO's in his three-piece suit and he's going to press that on button to start the, the new production line. And you're standing there clapping with everybody else. And then you realize in the back of your head that, oh boy, I think I need a permit for that new process line. Well, <laughs> How do you bring that to the attention of all the upper management that's in attendance at that point in time? You don't want that to happen to you. So you want to really consider the need for permits in the early stages of any capital improvement projects to avoid these costly issues. And again, in order to get involved early on in capital improvement pro projects, you need to get refer back to the core four again. One key aspect of the core four that will ensure that you get involved early on is communications. Remember when we talked about communications, we said, you know, you, you have to be a really good communicator when it comes to EHS issues. You, you, you need to become that go-to guy or gal and, and not the pain in the pain in the butt who, who harps on environmental health and safety issues. And when you're a good communicator, people want to work with you. They want to seek your input into, into different projects and, and activities. So by becoming that good communicator, essentially ensures you're going to be involved early on in these capital improvement projects because they're going to say, hey, let's make sure Steve's involved here so that you know, he can let us know what kind of permitting we may have relative to EHS issues associated with this improvement project. So it's very important, again, referring back to core four and, 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 and you'll, you'll see all of the paths, all, this, uh, all of the solutions to these issues refers back to core four. Get the core four under your belt. It's a great foundation to build upon and you'll see a lot of your follow-up efforts to other issues will, will be easier to manage. Yeah, I, I love how you have really simplified everything down into that that core four uh requirements um and and folks if you're not 
familiar with it, we've got uh, over on Mark's website at envisionenvironmental.com, there is actually a series of articles that will take you through the core four in detail. And, uh, and you can you can learn more about that there. So Mark, um, as you're going through these problems, so we talked about uh, regulations, we talked about permits, what are some of the other things that, that come up uh, over and over again? One that's that's you know in 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 these top five, if you will, of of overlooked issues is 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 regular regulatory required training, and this is a requirement that typically gets facilities into a lot of trouble. Unfortunately, the one thing um, w- we need to to really understand about training, you want your training to promote awareness of an issue, right? You you don't want to force feed it. You you, you don't want to confront people with this is how you have to do something, you know, be very regimented about it. It, it, Training has to be accepted in order for it to be successful. And what we found is, is that training should cover not only the why and how to do something, but also the how not to do something. Uh, What we found over the years is, is if you just simply say to somebody, all right, this is how you fix this machine, you know, from A to B to C, or this is how you run that forklift from A to B to C. You need to kind of point out these other items of how not to run that forklift because our human minds, whenever we're being trained or we're being told to do something, we're also trying to figure out a way to do that thing better than what we're being or how we're being told to do it. So we're looking for shortcuts, if you will. And what happens when our minds start thinking like that is we we start to make mistakes and that's where the accidents start to happen so it's very important to 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 kind of eliminate that that process of thinking right off the bat to basically say listen you know when you're driving a forklift you want to have two hands on the wheel if you don't have two hands on the wheel this is what could happen right so you're pointing that stuff out to the folks so that you're eliminating many accidents from, from happening uh, right off the bat by, by telling them how not to do certain things. The, you know, we, we talked, I mentioned that, you know, the, the training has to be accepted uh, in order for it to be successful. And in, at Envision, we do training. We, we've done training quite a bit on our website. We have a virtual uh, university for, for online training needs. But we, we, we also have done in-person training for many years for clients. And, when we're approached to, to do that in-person training at a facility, we always tell our clients, don't hire us. Don't hire anyone else outside of your organization to do that training. Your first attempt at training should be through by, by utilizing your own facility folks to do the training. I mean, who else knows how to do their job better than the folks already doing their job? And that eliminates having some outsider coming into your facility and telling your co-workers, this is how, you know, things need to be done. This is what you need to be aware of, so on and so forth. A lot of times people don't pay attention when there's that outsider there. However, if you have your shift supervisor doing training on a specific topic, you know, you're going to see co-workers paying attention to that person uh, because that is your supervisor. That's a co-worker. They've been doing this job for 20 years, you know, 10 years, whatever it may be, they know what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I'm going to listen to them. Um, and, and it gets noticed 
pretty easily uh, if if someone's not paying attention in that training session, if it's being done by somebody in house, and and that's the best way to 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 really get your training through to all of your employees by just, just trying to see if there's someone in house that can that can do it, and or even a sister facility having that person come come in, you know, somebody within the same organization, your training will be more readily accepted in that fashion. The other aspect of training goes back again to core four, one of the core fours, which is documentation. Documentation of training is just as important as the very, as the training itself. Uh, if you don't have your documentation complete, you know, who was trained, what were they trained in, when were they trained, uh, where were they trained? Who did the training? Was the training complete? So on and so forth. If you don't have that fully documented, and this is re- regulatory required training, and you're you're being audited by a regulator, and they don't see that information, that complete information recorded somewhere, they're not going to consider that training to be complete. And you know you may get a notice of violation for that. So make sure your documentation is is thorough and complete when it comes to your training. And the last thing on training is, is don't forget about refreshers. You know, a lot of regulatory required training, you know, you, you have the initial training period, but then you have to have annual refreshers and, you know, that needs to be properly documented also. So, so make sure you, you have a, something on your schedule to remind you that, Hey, you know, my third shift has to get trained in, in lockout tag out as an annual refresher this year or something along those lines. Uh, this way, uh, you know, you, you won't miss that, that, that anniversary training anniversary, and you can keep your, your uh, records uh, up to date and your training up to date. There's, a, there's an awful lot to, to cover there. I think what jumps out at me, Mark, is um, the idea of having someone from your facility do the training. You know, I, I've been in so many situations in the past where an outsider will come in and the folks doing the work just don't give them the same level of credibility. And um, I just, I think that's, that's fantastic advice. So, you know, we've talked about regulations and regulatory permits and training. Are there other things that, that crop up frequently? Yeah. Yeah. The one aspect of EHS that we find just about everyone has a hard time addressing is, is OSHA and worker safety. OSHA regulations are, they're, they're pretty diverse rules and regulations, but OSHA is a great organization. They want a workplace to be safe. They want the workers to be safe so that everyone can have a return home in the evening or, or you know, after their shift at work uh, in, a, in, in a healthy manner and a safe manner. And um, you know, the really important regulations, I can't stress that enough, and I think that's understood by everybody. But the challenge there is how much is covered by OSHA and how many regulations are, are out there covering a facility uh, through OSHA. But as I mentioned, OSHA is a great organization, and they have one of the best websites uh, uh, that we've come across for regulators. OSHA has thousands of published guidance documents and videos to assist with compliance with all of their regulations. You should make frequent visits to OSHA's website. It's all it is, OSHA.gov, and um, you know, a wealth of information will come pouring out for you. One of the the most useful items that that OSHA publishes each year that we we recommend all of our clients to to tap into is their annual OSHA top 10 violations. And these are the top 10 violations that OSHA has recorded over the 
previous year's worth of inspections at a very wide variety of types of, 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 of facilities. It's the top 10 violations that they've recorded over that previous year. And what's really cool about what they, they publish is they'll, they'll tell you what the violation was, what was violated, you know, what regulation was violated, what part of the regulation was violated. And in some instances, they also give you help with, with uh, you, you know, evaluating that same issue at your facility and possibly ways of correcting that violation. And uh, it, it's really, we, we recommend as, as the initial start for, for any OSHA and worker safety program at a facility is obtain that the, the latest uh, annual top 10 list and evaluate that at your, your own facility to see if uh, any of those issues exist at your facility. Because at a minimum, you know, that's, that's what we, we recommend folks do. Because if you're ever inspected by OSHA, you know, they're human beings just like us. And what do you think that inspector is going to look for immediately at your facility, even as they're just walking in that front door? They're going to look for the most common violations that occur right now if they start looking at, at your facility and they see that you know out of these 10 common uh, violations you know you're out of compliance for eight of them i think they're going to roll up their sleeves and they're going to make the next couple of days pretty miserable for you because they're going to look at your facility in greater detail however on the other side of the coin if they're walking through your facility and they see that oh boy you know steve's steve's facility has you know, he doesn't have any of these um, common violations at his facility. They're, they're well managed relative to these most common violations. I think the rest of your inspection is going to go a little bit easier on you. So, so at a minimum, take the latest list of, of, of top 10 violations, take a look at your facility and see if you're in compliance with them. And I think that's a good start to getting a very good, healthy, robust uh, OSHA worker safety program at your facility. Yeah, I think uh, it's great advice, and it's it's so so many of these things are so common across the board that anytime you're in a, a regulatory situation, the regulators are going to look for what they see all the time. You know, so many times you can you can get rid of all of your problems just by making the you know those really frequent and common things disappear. And uh, you know, oftentimes regulators don't want to. You know, they don't want to have to dig any deeper than they have to. Um, and so if it looks like things are under control, they they may assume that everything's under control. Yeah, and it, bo it boils down to, to to effort, right? If if you see, you know, somebody really making an effort to 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 address common issues and get them in order and, and get them well managed, uh, get them into compliance, that regulator is going to recognize that effort and and understand that you know some other issues that might come about they may work with you to resolve them but if if they see that there's no effort whatsoever into a common you know thing like for example ladder usage right there's no training on ladder usage or the ladders aren't stored properly or their ladders aren't used properly you know that that's one of the common violations and if there's no effort in relation to that at a facility to to you know manage and comply with the OSHA ladder regulations you know that regulator mindset uh, you know it would be my mindset too you know I, i'm a human being also is gee they really don't care about that what else don't they care about you right and and they're going to be looking deeper into the whole 
uh, into your facility. So it's really important. Just take care of these common things. And, and uh, in the end, you, you'll be better for it. Yeah, without a doubt. So, um, you know, kind of bringing all this together, Mark, what, what else, what haven't we covered that, that is important? So, you know, when we visit a facility or, or you know, a person who's managing EHS at a facility, their focus is on that facility, right? And what we try to tell our folks, uh, our clients is, is, you know, you just can't mind your own business. You need to be aware of what's going on around your facility also, you know, most notably your neighbors. Make sure you're aware of what's going on at your, your neighbor's properties. You know, what do they do? What condition is their property in? And can their activities affect the condition of your property or the conditions at your property? So, so you know, you should have a general understanding of the history of your neighbor's properties also, because you want to know, you know, if you discover, for example, if you, you're you um, installing a, a new piece of equipment, a foundation uh, outside your facility, and you, you, you dig a, a trench or you dig a pit and, you know, you find some contamination there um, that, you know, you never had any anything located in that area of your property before. And, you know, this was a total surprise to you. You want to make certain that that your property is not being impacted by somebody else. Uh, so, so, you know, that is that contamination attributable to somebody else. So, so don't just, you know, concentrate on yourself, but also, you know, keep track of what's going on around you. And, and if there, any of these properties around you are, are having any issues and whether those issues can affect what your property and what you're doing at your property. I think that's great advice. And, uh, you know, these are always very fluid situations, particularly with surrounding uses. Um, so, Mark, I, I want to, I actually want to give you a shameless plug here because it's one thing for somebody to hear this. But, you know, in a lot of cases, a facility manager may only ever have to deal with one site. And I, I think that puts them at a disadvantage and it's not their fault. You know, it's just the nature of, of the beast. But you've got the advantage of looking at hundreds or maybe thousands of sites over the course of your career. You've you've kind of tuned your eyes and ears to see the things that are important and that will really cause a problem for somebody and and listen to them and listen for the things that trigger asking questions. You know, and sometimes having that outside perspective is a real advantage in some of these situations. And so as important as it is for people to think about these things themselves, I also think it's it's very important to get somebody from the outside, whether it's you or they get somebody else, but get somebody from the outside who has a lot of experience with this, who can come at it with a fresh set of eyes. I just, I, I think there, there's almost no substitute for that. Have you found that in your career? Absolutely. Uh, and in fact, uh, we have an upcoming podcast episode. And we also essentially wrote a book about uh, one of the biggest issues in EHS management, and that's overlooked issues. And uh, one of the main culprits in overlooked issues is the invisible environmental gorilla. I'll, I'll leave that as a little teaser. So people tune into the next podcast episode or, <laughs> or, or visit, visit our website and uh, we'll send you the book for free. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, hunting the invisible environmental gorilla. And uh, it just, the whole point is, is, you know, 
having familiarity blindness out of facility because you're there day in and day out and uh, and uh, not seeing how others you know manage and attack and 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 deal with these these issues that are commonplace at uh, at pretty much every facility no matter its size yeah and and great book so for everybody who is looking for that just go to go to envisionenvironmental.com slash free book and you can uh, download it there uh, Mark, thanks for uh, investing a little bit of time with us today and sharing some of your your expertise and wisdom. Um, looking forward to coming back for that next episode um, because I know you have a lot to say on that topic. Any final words before we wrap up? Yeah, just uh, and yeah, anybody have any questions? Feel free to to give us a call. Or, you know, visit our website, email me, whatever whatever you uh, you desire. I'll be happy to to chat with you about this. Excellent. All right, folks. We will see you next time and you can find out more information at envisionenvironmental.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player. It'll show up there every time there's a new episode. Until next time, take care. The Business of Environment podcast is sponsored by Envision Environmental. Do you have environmental gorillas hiding in plain sight at your facility? Chances are you do and you don't even know it. Discover how to assess your environmental, health, and safety risks and protect yourself from fines and liabilities before there's trouble. Download a free copy of our book, Overlooked, Hunting the Invisible Environmental Gorilla at envisionenvironmental.com slash free book.